Okay, so today it's just me, Aaron, and I have a guest that you probably all know, Matt Winsing. Um, he's a fellow bootstrapper friend, um, somebody that I've known online for quite some time now. Um, we've talked many times, he's a great guy, and he has a product um, called Summit, which is a forecasting, modeling, um, something that I actually use at my day job to help model out some of our growth stuff. And then he also has a podcast um, called Out of Beta with Peter Soom. Um, so I'm sure you're all familiar, but Matt, did I, did I miss anything? And welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, you did not. And it's, uh, I, I, I love the podcast. I love the podcast and I, I, I'm looking forward to diving into this topic today. I think we have a topic of the day. We do. So I, okay, so you have tons of experience. We could talk about growing and selling startups and raising money. But here's the thing that I actually want to talk about. You've been on a bunch, so people can go find those. Here's the thing that I wanted to talk to you specifically about. So I think last week or the week before, it was just Colleen and I, and we were chatting. And something that I've been thinking a lot about and my wife and I have been talking a lot about is this like this concept of so so I have a full-time job and I'm also trying to do this hammerstone stuff on the side and I have twins now that are seven months old and I you know want to be there like all the time and so the question is how do I like how how do I become okay with sacrificing time to work on stuff on the side in with the hope that in the future I'm able to break free like I'm able to reach escape velocity drop the day job and have even more time to spend with the family but right now I have less time because I yeah. am trying to like reach escape velocity. And so I'm doing these two things at once and it's tough, man. And so that's kind of like, I figured yeah. you had been there. Yep. Yeah, I I have. So my, my story was I had a job out of college um, and we had kids young, um, real young. So we were I think married at 22 and oh. Emma was born in 04. So I was 22 and something about to be 23 when we had our first. So I, I, and then I started working on storm pulse, my first startup in 2004. Mm -hmm. So about a year, uh, well actually no, a couple months after she was born, I had the idea wow. for it and started working on it. And I, I didn't leave my day job, um, for two years. Uh, okay. I just worked on it nights and weekends. So I, I basically went through this phase, um, 17 years ago, <laughs> 17 to 15 years ago, basically. And um, it was, I, I didn't make, I didn't always make great choices. I think, you know, my life is definitely the, you know, looking back in hindsight, like, wow, I'm glad some of these things worked out. Mm -hmm. um, because if they hadn't, the price tag would have been, um, very painful too high too high yeah that is Wait. exactly that is exactly how i feel on the other side you're on the good <laughs> side i'm on yeah. the unknown side <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and 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 it's not only and so like let's let me, maybe you know i think we can 
spoil the I'm going to spoil the ending and say there's there's no way to predict how the how it's going to work out and so you know unlike a lot of other things where you get many at bats or many swings mm-hmm. of the club you get one swing Terrifying. of life Yes. Yes. And you get one yeah. swing at early childhood with the kids. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's that's right. And so you you have to decide if you're going to do this or not. And you don't get to um, know if it's going to work out. And you don't get to judge whether or not it was the right choice based on the outcomes. Hmm. It, 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 it It is independent of that because... You know, um, I don't believe that I don't believe in fate. <laughs> I don't believe in, <laughs> you know, de, you know, determinism in that sense. And I mm-hmm. think that you have to imagine that there are other worlds, if you will, in which you could have done the same things and things would have mm-hmm. turned out differently, which I find very comforting that like not everything's your fault either. <laughs> um, right. It's not to absolve you of responsibility, but it's like saying, you know, I there's some things that you you made the right choice and it didn't work out the way you had hoped, but it would have been wrong for you not to try because mm-hmm. you have to try and you have this gift that needs to be, that should be expressed. Mm-hmm. And if you're among people who are supportive, and I think that's the key, one of the keys is are the people around you sharing that hope and supporting that dream and are you being sensitive to their appetites and tolerances as well okay. because they're Let's, different than yours? There were two you know, there, things there that I, I want to yeah. dive into. Two yeah, things. Thanks. One was, are the people around you supportive? And the, the other one was, are you sensitive? I assume you're talking about spouse, family. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So, I want to hear from your perspective and your experience what the conversations were like with your wife. Did you have like, did you have guidelines and deals? And then how were you careful to be sensitive to her appetite, which I don't know what her appetite for risk or storm pulse was. Um, Mm -hmm. So how were you careful to be sensitive to um, whatever her appetite was? Because those are things that I'm thinking about. Like my wife stays at home with the kids. And so it's basically all on me. And so I want, I want to like be a good, um, (laughs) like financial family steward and make sure that I'm not taking outsized risks. Um, but her appetite for me working all night is pretty small. She doesn't love that, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it's okay. So uh, from your perspective or from your history, what was, what were y'all's conversations like and how did you either do a good job or bad job? You know, anything I could learn from. Yeah, I think let, let, uh, I'll, I'll start with a, I, I could have done a lot better um, and maybe work backwards that <laughs> it was, you know, and, and I think different peoples, including our spouses uh, or partners, appetites for risk have multiple dimensions. So there's the financial element and, and there's the personal quality time element. Um, and then there's the presence element with a C like, are you present? And, you know, finance and 
financial goals and presence and risk, these are all different factors. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good to separate them out because you could have um, people in your life that are even more uh, um, comfortable with risk than you are on certain dimensions. And then, but they might not be, you know, in the same ballpark as you on other dimensions. And so for what you can easily do then is you can take for granted, you know, their, you know, willingness to sure sacrifice the salary for a while or do this. Um, but, and so you don't, because they're so quiet, about, they're quiet about that, that, you know, it's no big deal. Right. Like you just roll forward. So you take it for granted. That's one thing. And then like, you don't really check up on it because maybe they're silent about it, but maybe you do exceed that at some point. So like sensitive is like this, this thing that you can just be probably 10 times better at than you are now. And I'm speaking for myself that it's the knowns and the unknowns and the constant willingness to like check back in and talk about Mm -hmm. these things. And I gave up a lot of personal income and advancement from 24 to 37, let's say (laughs) like with my first, that's so long company. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, because I don't think there's any years in there where if I had been working at Google or Facebook mm-hmm. or wherever else I may have been able to get a job, let's just pick like some ones that are well-known and, and pay well. I mean, heck, the job I left to join my first company, they were just empty. You know, it was a profitable private business that was mm-hmm. just sort of emptying uh, you know, emptying trucks of of money into our bank accounts on a on a on a yearly basis, and I left that to yeah. um, I left that to start the startup. So, so I gave up a lot there, and I think when you're young and excited, it's easy to skip over that. But like three, four, five, ten years in, that calculus changes because now you've mm-hmm. left behind all these compounding advantages and you're starting to see friends of yours who mm-hmm. took a different path bearing fruit that you can't, you know, like that ski vacation on top of the new car is not really possible because yeah. you have a startup and all of your net worth, you just watch that pie chart evolve <laughs> from, you know, how much net worth is in savings and cash and, you know, mutual funds to, oh my gosh, you know, 99.9, because we think this business is maybe worth millions of dollars, mm-hmm. it's not a realist that the 90% plus of your net worth is now this one thing, which is illiquid yep. <laughs> and um, mostly speculative still because uh, something's only worth something if somebody else is willing to pay that for it or reward you that way for it. So, you can't eat options or equity. You can't nope. use them to pay send for the, the girl new to thing. summer camp. Send, you exactly. Can't, you can't, you can't send kids to summer it's, camp. It's, it, it is the most illiquid thing you can have. Um, and so, like the financial part has these um, initial risks that you take, but then keep in mind the compounding distance between you and like that other version of you that stayed where you were and yeah. kept doing those things that were proven and fruitful and a sure thing effectively. Mm -hmm. And that gap gets wider and wider over time. And I think your, your job as an entrepreneur is to 
take steps as often, not as often as you can, but when you can take steps to close that gap so that it's bearable again, so that you're not, you know, this is for a limited time and then some reward. So, you know, my personal income kept going up at least over time, but that mm-hmm. gap was wide still. <laughs> and I, um, I mean, if, 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 if my first startup hadn't been acquired, I never would have been able to make that up. Like that would have been just opportunity mm-hmm. cost lost uh, forever, probably. Um, I yeah. would have a ton of experience and lessons learned, but nobody was gonna nobody's gonna hire me and back backfill my pay no. for ten years of no. income. But that's effectively what we got to do because of the sacrifice, right? So it was you know the way it ended up working out is it was as if I had been saving all of that money year after yeah. year after year. I mean, yeah. And then somebody one day showed up and said, where do you want us to put this? <laughs> and <laughs> in my that's pocket, awesome. sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's awesome because then, you know, you didn't spend it. Right. You, you were forced to save it. And, you know, that's pretty awesome. It's like the, um, it, it's delayed gratification and a forced savings plan. If you want to look at it that way mm-hmm. in a positive scenario where we couldn't, spend this for 10 years, seven years minimum. Right. And, um, and I can, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm skipping over a ton of tools and techniques that you could use to find liquidity sooner, you know, depending sure, on how yeah, there's, a lot doing, of there's, there's a lot of stuff, stuff you can do yeah. there. Um, but I don't think the fundamentals change very much is that you're stepping off of the much more lucrative path and hoping that it pays off. Um, if it doesn't, there's a lot of pain there because you you don't get a redo, right? You don't. You, you no. just and no. what was what was the so sticking on the financial side before we go back to the being present side on the financial side, what was it like in those intervening you know ten years emotionally mm-hmm. for you thinking like year five, year seven when when your friends do start to hit those compounding returns and they're now partners at law firms and whatever. Yeah. And you're like, man, I could have, I could have been a whatever at Google staff, whatever. And <laughs> so what was it like, you know, year two, three, four, maybe you're excited. Year eight, mm-hmm. you've got maybe one, maybe three. I don't know the timing of your kids, but mm-hmm. year eight, how does that feel? And like, how did y'all, how did you handle that? Oh, um, it was, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but it was pretty, it was sort of excruciating, right? Like, hey, well, that's, that's honest. That's what I wanted. It, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no easy way to, um, I'll, I'll pick a different topic. Who is this? This is, a, I think this is a, uh, Talebism, um, mm-hmm. author of the, of the Black Swan, among others. And he talks about how, you know, you're that person who comes to the Christmas gathering with your family and the brother or the cousin or the sister became a lawyer. And what do you do? You work in a, you work in a cancer research lab, you know, making an honest living as a scientist and, you know, you're living within your means and all this, but like, you're basically saying like, I'm either going to have this breakthrough and Mm. it's going to be completely (laughs) worth it. I'm going to contribute to, humanity in this amazing way and everyone's proud of you but until then you're like 
your your brand, your personal brand is this person who's maybe not even that amb- like you're ambitious, but in a different sort of way. You right. know, you're you're not ambitious in the way of showing up with all the presents and you know opening up the trunk of the Mercedes. You're ambitious in the sense of like opening up the minivan and <laughs> like, and 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 making do because you have this dream. You know, and and that's fortunately with in America at least we have the cultural sort of privilege of entrepreneurship and founders True. being at least a cool thing. <laughs> and so there's that, you can ride that, you know, that banner or you have that pride of um, being that. Um, and so it's not, I wouldn't say it's sh- it's not shameful the way it is maybe in other cultures. However, it's also, as Tevya says, I love this line. It's like, it's no shame in being poor. Then again, it's no great honor either. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, um, you know, maybe you're not poor, but you're also not that person who everybody can easily see those external validations right. that you're being smart with your time and money and, and talents. Um, you know, you might, you might be a little, a little uh, crazy or wrong about things. Um, right. And that's hard. And I think the other thing to keep in mind, and, and I would recommend that people think about this before they take the leap. If your first act can be at a Google or a Netflix or a Facebook or a fill in the blank brand name blue chip company, I would strongly consider that. I didn't do that. I wish I had. You know, I, I did my two, three year stint out of college at a company that was phenomenal, but not well known. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that's hard to get back because you're probably not going to go back to corporate life if your startup, whether it works or doesn't, you're probably, you know, on that yeah. treadmill. Um, maybe. So that would give so, you some more optionality if you took a big name brand early on. I think having that on your resume early on, it builds trust in you and your brand, your personal brand that's going to pay off in a variety of ways you know, because you maybe even have some stock in that company, you know, that it ends up doing well, um, mm-hmm. or you just have that on your resume and you can always fall back on that, that that's not a bad insurance policy or, or golden parachute. So, um, I always knew I could go find a job, but sure. it was, uh, it was, it was increasingly painful because I really had no way of, justifying the sacrifice at some point without an exit like yeah and and that's not something you can just easily conjure up um at a multiple perhaps that you find exciting you know man so you got so far in that it only would have paid off with an exit and then you exited that's right oh yeah (laughs) that's that is that's a boss move. That's super intense. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and it, it and and shifting away from the financial, like that intensity uh, had had a cost. So you know the lack of the lack of prep. You know, we stayed a small team. I was required to contribute on so many fronts. I mm-hmm. was mentally disengaged from a lot of family life and personal life for a long time, mm. and. You know, that showed up in just the inability to be proactive about things. It wasn't that I wasn't there. Um, that's one of the nice things about working full-time in a startup is you're there. You're around. Yeah. 
but that doesn't mean you're there there and that is really dangerous um help me understand that um because i I, I want to learn so that I can sure. do some of the same things, but this one I want to do differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you said not be proactive. What did that look like um, for you and your family? Yeah, it just it just meant that I all of the all of my mental horsepower that had the ability to think about the future and have a vision and mm. and strive towards something greater was going into the startup. And that just means that you're not sort of, you know, thinking about, you know, what, what are we going to do this summer? Uh, you know, what do we need to do this weekend? What's going on? So all of that burden falls on your, your partner or your family, mm -hmm. whoever. And that's a very, that's a silent, heavy load yeah. that, you know, is, um, it's exhausting, right? And uh, it's easy, you know, it's really easy for me. I tend to have maniacal focus on the thing that I'm trying to achieve because you have to. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, special honors uh, are, are reserved for the, the, the partners of entrepreneurs because we mm -hmm. kind of have this like Olympian-like, I think we have to have like this Olympian-like obsession with our trade, with our craft to be one of the ones that succeeds, you know, um, you just can't, you can't be mediocre and survive for 14 years running your own company and get an exit. Like, it's just not, it's not possible. So, so then, you know, the, the tough thing is you can end up, you know, where, okay, I either continue to pay this high price so that we can finally get the reward that we're looking for, or I stop and we don't. And that's, now it's all for it. naught, yeah. right? Yeah, now it's all for naught. So, so one thing that I did do is, um, I actually stepped back from the CEO role of my own company hmm. at one point, and that was really helpful because I was able to just be more of an employee and a contributor. Um, and I also had sort of a co-CEO. He wasn't that, but he was our executive chairman. He carried a lot of the carried a lot of the load that I might have carried alone otherwise. And so I found sort of in steps around two, starting in 2015 and then again in 2017, I found other people to lead the company in ways that I was doing solo before. Hmm. And that was smart, you know. So um, I had a co-founder, but it's different when you have a team and most of your time is spent managing. And yeah. now you need people who can just do more and that really helped that started to help um but one thing i did have to do a lot of is because we were an enterprise sales uh, enterprise SaaS. is i was still our top salesman for years mm. <laughs> and you know brutal pre-covid enterprise sales you're not doing that over zoom so i was flying from austin to portland to denver to boston in the same week and uh, so you were physically not present for a good portion of time as well. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, exactly. There, there were, there were, you know, I, it often it was once a month, um, where I was gone for a few days a week. Um, yeah. some months though, it was three times some months. So, you know, you, you have some months that look more like a Deloitte consultants life Yeah, and you have, you know, 
children. <laughs> it's uh, it's just you got to be aware of like the the this the sacrifice that other people are making for you to be able to do that. And I think uh, in some in some ways, the better our family and friends are supporting us, the less the the easier it is to take that for granted, right? Yes. So. That's yes, when there are no the signs of fire, you don't weird, feel like you have to attend to anything. <laughs> yeah, it's like this weird um, fact that like the, the best people uh, don't complain about it, and mm-hmm. and that makes it really easy to take things for granted. So, so I did that, and I you know wish I could not have done that, um, but at the same time, there's that maniacal focus of just saying, but we this has to pay off. <laughs> you know, right. This has to pay off. So w- looking back, are there things you talked about your spouse partner being extremely supportive and carrying a lot of that load? Um, are there things now that you look back and say, I could have like holding constant the fact that you had to be, maniacally focused on making storm pulse work and getting to the exit. Are there some easy, small tactical things you could have done with regards to relationship with your spouse that would have, um, that would have helped holding constant the fact that you Mm -hmm. couldn't just like shut your brain down at five o'clock. Yeah. Uh, I would, I'd probably look at the things that I started to do that did start to help and just say, I could have done those sooner. (laughs) Okay. Go Um, on. Yeah. So, I mean, and this almost sounds, this almost sounds a little weird. Uh, It it sounds because they're tactical, they sound a little um, just mechanical, I guess I'll say, or like cold. It's like, well, that Mm -hmm. doesn't give me warm and fuzzies, but like, that's not the point. (laughs) It's like, um, uh, I, started to uh so i had have one-on-ones with my uh with my executive team well with a specific member of my executive team at each day i started to really treat and realize that my family my my spouse my wife was a member of my board and executive team if you will in life <laughs> and say like i need to have a one-on-one every day with her in addition to my team and do that, you know, at this time each day so that I can say, so I can jog my memory, look at the calendar, remind myself what the heck's going on today. How can I help today? What can I do? And even though it's like cold, coldly practical in that sense, it is, it is practical. It's not a a date night stuff. That's That's not what, that's not what the family needed, right? It wasn't like, hey, we need you to spend, you know, sure, yes, that too. I'm not saying not mm-hmm. that. But I think the logistical and just um, practical presence and help could have been assimilated into my work life sooner had I treated it more like a, oh, my team, the, this is a teammate, if you will, that's not sure. just going to do everything without me or doesn't want to just yeah. do everything. So sure. I can just show up at home at a certain time and then like, Oh yeah, the, this kid's got this game and this kid's got this. And then there's this practice and I have to do this and I can like see all this. But that's like, uh, it, it was, it was stupid that I didn't realize sooner that 
no, obviously getting ahead of that, even by right. eight, 12, 24 hours, five days, <laughs> that's actually really not hard to do once you just no. make a routine. It's an atomic habit, if you will, of just sure. saying, okay, it's eight 30. Uh, let's talk for 15, 30 minutes about what's going on today and tomorrow. And that would help sure take that. some of the, the burden off of her of you being always like just in time, like showing up and being like, Oh, there's a thing. Okay. I guess I'll go. She kind of exactly. knew you knew. Yeah. And, and that, you know, I would, if I had done that sooner, I think it would have helped more. I think, mm-hmm. you know, not having done it sooner, it was sort of like showing up to a, uh, busy, you know, showing up at a busy kitchen and you're in the, you suddenly you're in the back mm. of the kitchen and everybody's already <laughs> doing yeah. everything without you. And you're like, um, you know, how can I help? We're sort of like, we too late, bro. Kind of figured out how to run all this without you. So I don't really know if there's much you can do, but I yeah. mean, I don't know, look around, you know, <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it's like, don't, you know, don't wait until the kitchen's working without you, like get involved. Hmm sooner that's extremely helpful especially and for me specifically at my stage yeah. that's extremely helpful yeah because I, th- I i was a member of that kitchen staff that that um what's it called you know sort of the back uh back office if you will i was, I was a member of that mm-hmm. team before back of house right before mm. and then um at some point you're like oh i just i just show up you know dressed in the uniform and i act like i'm a member of the staff but i'm not really contributing right um, and that's a problem, right? So I should have done that sooner. And I think the nice thing about that, it was just so practical. It's like, um, but why not? You know, uh, we had four children and we have four children. So we have a bona fide squad yeah, <laughs> of for people real. at our house. So, you know, six people is enough to need a sort of offensive and defensive coordinator and a team captain. Yep. Uh, and for sure <laughs> so so a little be bit that, of a planning meeting goes a long exactly. way exactly so be that be that team captain or co-captain as soon as possible and don't wait yeah that is exactly the kind of thing i was looking for because it sounds like it sounds like yeah that's easy that that's a nothing but it can make a huge difference and mm-hmm. it doesn't fundamentally change the fact that you had to go all in you could do both. Like you can, you can be extremely focused on storm pulse, but still have a conversation with your wife every night about what's coming up. Like those yes, things can happen together. Yeah. So that's really helpful um, for me to understand as I'm trying to think about how do I balance this time right now? Yeah. I mean, your relationship health is like other kinds of health and it's, easy to stop exercising, start eating badly, stop mm-hmm. sleeping, all those things, and stop talking to the people that um, matter to you about the things that are both like big and also small because the small things accumulate. So, so it's a health thing. And I think that's the biggest challenge with obsession is that people tend to let go of their health, the relationship, mental and otherwise, and physical. And so treating that like a health matter where you can just stop exercising, but that will catch up with you. It was the same thing. You know, your body doesn't complain until it's really late in the game sometimes, and neither will the people that love you and are supporting you. So yeah, don't take your body for granted. Don't take your, those systems for granted in the same way. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's really helpful. And, th- and then if you, you know, if you fill those things first, you'll know what to say no to, to the other stuff, because the other stuff will fill 100% of your time. So, like, I listed mm. out the things I'm not going to do with the second startup. I have a lot more slack in my second startup intentionally, um, because I learned a lot of those lessons, and also I, I don't do speculative meetings. You know, if somebody wants to chat, it's a DM. You know, if somebody wants to meet me for the first time, great. Maybe one day when we're in Austin, you know, whatever. But it's, you know, that all stuff gets a no because this stuff fills first. And it turns out that a lot of the stuff you're going to spend time on with your startup is a total waste of time. Yeah. Absolute freaking waste of time. You don't know what it is, but it turn if you trim the bottom 30%, you probably aren't going to miss the thing mm. that matters. Like if you do 70% of the experiments or 80% of the experiments, you're probably fine because a lot of them, you were stupid for even taking those on. They're not going to work. <laughs> the customer is not going to say yes. So flying to Delaware mm. just to get a face-to-face meeting with them before Christmas is stupid not anyway. Yep. So don't do it, you know, and you won't have the time to do it because you are, doing these other things first and that's okay. And like realizing that you're actually not a good manager of your time. So sacrificing the stupid (laughs) part or the speculative part is completely worth it because a 30 minute meeting that might turn into a big deal one day is way less. It's a much poor use of your time than 30 minutes on you know, the rower or 30 minutes with your spouse or 30 minutes, right. whatever it is. Like you, you can, you'll, you'll be better. Trust me, you know, give yourself some slack. Yeah. yeah. So with, with summit, obviously things are completely different. You're much older. No offense. I mean, 14 I years get it. is, I get is it. a long time. Yeah. Um, you're much older. You've had the exit. Your kids are much older. How, you listed a couple of things, but how are you navigating? Like, are are you just, did you downshift? Are you just taking everything slower? It seems like you're still maniacally focused, but mm-hmm. you've learned all these lessons over 14 years. And frankly, you're not as dependent on making it work because you made the first one work. So right. what's your life like now? And are you trying to specifically not do some of the things you did the first time besides like speculative meetings and stuff, but like on the family front. Yeah. I'd actually say, um, not having a co-founder has, it was a decision that I made that has really helped Hmm. (laughs) that the co-founders need for my time and attention and, and the natural vice versa. Like that's a competing relationship that needs a lot of energy and time Hmm. to work as well. And so this time around, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm willing to take the risk of missing out on the benefits of a co-founder professionally so that I don't have, so that I can not be there when somebody on my team needs me. And I say, no, I'm going to this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can't say, no, I'm going to this thing to a co-founder as easily as your no. first employees. You know, it's just a different relationship. So that was one big stone that I did not put in the bucket this time around, um, seriously consider it. I know we need help. We need a team, but there are different kinds of team members. So Mm -hmm. just something to keep in mind, um, or at least maybe have just such a great understanding with your team members that they are like, we're co-founders, but we're not, (laughs) we're we're not married, if you will. And we're not beholden to each other. You're not available to me sometimes. And that's fine. Right. Yeah. Um, 
So that's one thing. The other thing is, um, just going back to that pie chart, uh, I'm now, you know, naturally inclined, even with the obsession, the maniacal obsession, I'm naturally inclined to hold on to and, and take care of the things that we now have because of the change. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean? You know, got a house. This is where we live. I'm invested in it literally. I'm emotionally invested in it and it's where we live. I want to invest in it and that makes me more present and it's, mm-hmm. we all benefit from that. So I'm actually diversified mentally and diversified emotionally a lot more than I was the first time around. So again, the landscape is different and that really helps because I enjoy <laughs> investing more broadly and I can invest more broadly and justify even from a financial standpoint. It's not that double or nothing, triple or nothing situation yep. anymore, right? Um, so that's that's another like just sort of tailwind that I get to ride. And then the other one is just, yes, I, f- I believe, like so yesterday is a good example. I didn't work a whole lot yesterday, probably just a couple hours, which the previous time around would have, I would have been so stressed out. It would have been dr- sure, driven me yeah. crazy. Like, how can you possibly do that? But then I just reflect, I'm like, okay, what did I do though? Well, you know, a podcast episode on Indie Hackers came out and I got, you know, I got the um, new environment working that we're going to move to off of Heroku. That's a pretty good couple hours. Pretty big like, day. Yeah. From a delivery <laughs> standpoint, <laughs> you know. I, I crushed it. I, I, I just crushed it compared to like 99% of the American workforce. How many other yep. people can say like, I told my, I shared my story with 70,000 people and I got a new cloud environment working. Zero that's percent a, of the American workforce. That's right. That. So it's like, that's enough. That that's, yeah. en- that's, that's enough. And frankly, it's enough to move the business forward. Not every day, but on days like that, let go of like, well, you know, it would be also be good if I could ship this feature. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. Do you have to ship a feature on top of like, <laughs> so like you crushed the marketing piece. You yeah. made it, you move the needle on DevOps. You also have to ship a feature. No, you don't. Like, that's ridiculous. If you can, if you can have days like you just described five times a week, four times a week, You'll you're fine. fine. <laughs> you're fine. And like, this is the lesson that goes back to like when you were sick as mm-hmm. a kid and you stayed home from school. Mm-hmm. And you suddenly didn't have to go to eight hours of school and you just did your assignments. And you were fine. <laughs> and you were done by like 1030. Yep. <laughs> Good for you. Like you yeah. don't have to fill it until three. Like you don't have to fit a month into a week. You just have to do the right things today. Um, and so I actually just aim to get one valuable thing done a day mm. uh, is my minimum bar for success three things is like super achieving and I, I do aim for three each day. Usually it's like, Hey, if I can do like an hour, two hours, three hours and, and I can do three, think get three big things done. Like that's, now you're talking about what getting 15 big things done a week. That's 60 yeah, things a month. Enormous. It's, it's insane. Right. So yeah. if it's only 30, you're also probably fine. The challenge is you just don't know which 30 things to work on. Exactly. So get better at that. Mm-hmm. The time is such a poor, uh, the time is what your family and your personal life wants, but time is actually not what your startup, it's not what fuels your startup, actually. That's that is a fantastic distinction. The time is what your family wants. Mm-hmm. The time is not 
the time is not the measure of success in in startup and working. That's right. That is extremely. Um, that is very insightful. That's the arbitrage. Yeah, you, you don't you don't go to your family and say, "Well, I, I pushed you on the swing ten times today. That's enough for today." It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, I want to lay in the grass and look at the clouds for four hours. And That's it's right. like they they want time, and I want to I want time with them. Yep. But then at work, you just doesn't matter if it takes you an hour or a hundred hours. If you get the thing done, the thing is done. That's right. Ooh. Yep. So be more effective is, is the answer to both of those, Mm -hmm. I think. And if I send out an investor update and it has, there's too many valuable things that got done this month to even list. Everyone's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody thinks of me as not having achieved the, the failure. I, there's so much slack in the in the american 40 hour week and you know it was easy for me the first time around to think that i could just i should just fill it Mm -hmm. no don't don't fill it see if you can do a 25 hour or 30 hour work week um and give that time then to others you know and i've been doing that a lot more lately and i'm not saying i'm the greatest at it and mentally it's still hard you know am i thinking about this but i've it's it's nice i've caught myself not thinking about it for periods and that's what people need. So yes, relentlessly uh, prioritize. <laughs> that, effective. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Being able to break that built in um, narrative of you have to work 40 hours a week. Otherwise you're some sort of, you know, slack, like you're, yeah. you're a slacker. So no, you'll actually do better work. If you work fewer hours, you'll, you know, I set aside, I think, an hour on Monday this week to write out the um, 10 most important things of the week, one thing per day, uh, hmm. and then like one other thing each day. And if I look at those and like I concentrate, I can get all of those done every day by noon. Now that I'm doing this week lighter than normal on purpose. Mm-hmm. But like concentrated effort for f- deep work for four hours is probably enough for you to get done. Mm-hmm. the two or three viable things you need to do each day because you're procrastinating and wasting time on Twitter or whatever else. Anyway, yep. Matt, <laughs> so. because you think, because you think you have 40 hours and the thing you need to do is only, you know, however many hours. And so you're like, oh, I'll just dork around for a little bit before I get started. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is getting rid of those hobbies. Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time, but as the king of, the Twitter hot take. I wanted to see if you had any, <laughs> oh boy, anything you you wanted to grill me on, or any questions about anything that we're up to, or my life personally, or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm. I think I agree with what somebody was saying on the Indie Hackers AMA that you did. I guess yesterday was it mm-hmm. or the day before? Like the quality and the creativity of what you are putting out is evident and that's really um i'm excited for you so congrats on that uh i i am sort of circling your orbit and like trying to figure out what is this and i'm not involved in laravel or php or some (laughs) of the other stuff that we're also wasn't me evident to be well now but i see what you're working on like wow this is this is good stuff i think my um i don't have much of a hot take other than just you know don't make the mistake I made, which was uh, I built, I spent two years building mm-hmm. a phenomenal product before I figured out how to get it in the hands of millions of people. 
<laughs> and to whatever extent you may feel worried or have reservations that maybe it's not good enough yet for that, like mm-hmm. try to try to repress those because uh, from what yep. I can tell, your stuff looks amazing. So um, well, get that it out was, there. That was a very lukewarm take and I very much appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. That's very kind of you to say, but I, I thought if you had a hot take at all, it would be in that vein about mm. the time. And I, I feel that in my bones. Like I... I do put a lot of myself into the things that I make. And I think that is a good, like, that's a good thing. And like, I put a lot of emotional energy into these things and that's great. It cuts both ways. And the bad side of the cut is at some point I have to release something knowing that there are still corners that could be rounded. Um, Totally. And so that has been, I haven't had to confront that because we've been working on this client project for so long that I've been able to just kind of tinker because I've been waiting on Sean to finish some stuff. Mm -hmm. But now we're at the point where I had my first onboarding call yesterday with um, a client and I was like, this is happening. This is, (laughs) and there's still a bunch of stuff that I, I, you know, I've been integrating with um, a first person and, have seen all even more rough edges. And now I have this second call yesterday and I'm like, okay, well I got to get it in his hands by Tuesday. We have a integration meeting set for Tuesday. Yeah. It's like, man, this is like, it's good for me to have forcing functions like that. Yeah. And if I were to push this out any further, you could argue, one could argue it's, been pushed out way too far but we do have the make mitigating you know client project that's been Mm -hmm. really good for us um but if i were to push this any farther it would be intervention time and somebody (laughs) would need to say sorry bro i released it on your behalf (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, i definitely hear that and i take that to heart and i am personally like afraid of going too far into that but that is good Good. to be reminded of that yeah man I'm I'm excited for you. Push it out there. Uh, they 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 will make it better for you in ways that you yeah. can't imagine. So you're, it deserves them. And yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. That's a good word. <laughs> so. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on. I know this is probably different than your usual fare, but this has been this has and been super it. on my mind, and I knew that I knew that you would have a lot of good insights. So I really really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you for the uh, heartfelt conversation, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.